0: Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy, which is new every morning for us. We thank you for your word. We ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to you now, Lord, and open your word to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Being persecuted by a gnat. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, as Jake said earlier, we uh, have arrived at the end of our We Believe series on the Nicene Creed. We've been hearing and learning uh, for many weeks now about what we believe as Christians, and why we believe it. And one of the things that has been most clear through this series is that our faith, our Christian faith, is about God. Surprise, surprise, right? Uh, It seems obvious, but uh, we often forget this. Our focus is usually on ourselves. Uh, it makes me think of the classic movie, of course, makes me think of a movie. Um makes me think of Field of Dreams. Do you remember the classic Field of Dreams? If you haven't seen it, that's your homework. Go home immediately and watch it. Um, but Field of Dreams, when the ghost of the famous White Sox player, Shoeless Joe Jackson, when he uh, shows up on this baseball field that Ray has made in his cornfields, and he invites Mann, Terrence, excuse me, Terrence, Terrence Mann to come out into the cornfields with him and all of the other ghosts of the baseball players, the famous White Sox, or the infamous uh, White Sox, uh, to see where they came from in the cornfields. He invites Terrence Mann out because he's a writer. And Ray, played by Kevin Costner, gets very upset, right? And he wonders why Terrence Mann gets to go out into the, into the fields and he doesn't get to go. After all that he did, he plowed over his cornfields. he built this baseball field, he coped with the ridicule of his neighbors, and he dealt with uh, the threat of bankruptcy, and he doesn't get asked to come. And he shouts at Shoeless Joe Jackson, saying, all this time, never once have I asked what's in it for me. And he says, now I want to know what's in it for me. And that's often our question. What's in it for me? Our understanding of our faith often comes from this place, a self-focused place. And here, yet, in our creed, we've been hearing about God, and we've been hearing about all of his glory. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we have certainly been in the picture. After all, we are God's focal point. Isn't that an amazing thing? Doesn't that encourage you, the idea that uh, God is focused on you. In our world, it's common that we have to defend ourselves, right? Uh, we have to fight for ourselves. We have to have our own best interests in mind because there's no guarantee that anybody else does. Hopefully, our family members are in our corner, uh, but that's not always the case. You know, too often it feels like every man for himself or every woman for herself in our world which is why we echo Ray's question to Shoeless Joe Jackson. You know, what's in it for me? I'm worried that I'm going to be overlooked. But here in our statement of faith, we hear that God himself is focused on us, that we are the objects of his love and work. He wants us to know what he has done for us, and he wants us to know what he is doing for us. And today we hear more of his glorious promise for us. We hear our ultimate hope. We hear the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. That's the section we're in on the creed today. And our need for this hope is obvious. This world, if you just uh, observe it for a moment or two, is full of decay and death. And you can see it in so many ways on so many levels. Uh, the physical or material, right? Our clothes wear out. You get holes in your pants or, uh, you know, at least my girls do all the time. You get holes in your clothes, things wear out, uh, things break. You especially know this if you have a home that you own. Uh, The joys of home ownership, there's always something that needs to be fixed, right? From burnt out light bulbs to Uh, A hole in your drywall that may or may not have been caused by your child crashing her scooter into your wall (laughs) because she was riding her scooter in the house. It's just a hypothetical. (laughs) Um, You know, things break down, and they need to be repaired. And uh, and we break down too, right? Uh, Our physical bodies don't last. We get 85 to 90 years if we get to live on the long side. And um, you know, it's, it's actually said that if you stay alive long enough, you'll actually end up developing some kind of cancer. Like it just happens because we, we just, our bodies don't function forever. It's almost a given. And you might be thinking, you know, that's a long ways off. Maybe you're pretty young still and you don't think about your mortality very often, but it comes up pretty fast, especially if you have a lot of mileage on you, you know? I played soccer for 20 years. Um, growing up and then through college, and it did a number on my knees and my ankles. So if I go for a run or something like that now, I get excited, I'm like, I'm gonna get get out there and go running, which is a horrible idea every time I say it, but I don't think of that. Um, My legs will just ache all night unless I take the proper medication, and um, which is usually some wine, just kidding. Anyhow, (laughs) but at the ripe old age of 40, uh, I can feel the wear and tear on my body. Our mortality is real and it stares us back in the face. It does it every morning when we look in the mirror, right? You might find another wrinkle, or a few, make, you know, few gray hairs or less hair, uh, or another, <laughs> another pound or two, you know, whatever. It reminds me of um, the comedian Brian Regan. For those of you who have seen him, he's hilarious. If you haven't, that's your second homework assignment. Field of Dreams, then Brian Regan, go watch some Brian Regan. Uh, But he talks about aging in one of his bits. And he said when he reached 40, which is how old I am, he went to his doctor and he told him about how his knee was hurting and how his back was sore, you know, and his doctor just looked at him and said, yeah, he's like, what are we making small talk or something? (laughs) And uh, Regan said that now when he gets a little injury and he pulls something, he thinks, oh great, that's gonna hurt forever. You know, when I, I will feel this pain for the rest of my life, so I better get used to it. It's funny, because it's true. I mean, you guys will get there, for those of you who aren't there yet, but um, it's true. I feel it. Um, <clears throat> our world breaks down. I haven't even mentioned, you know, natural disasters or the, the state of our environment, you know, all those types of things. They're just constant reminders that we need the hope that we talk about at the end of the creed. We need to actually be renewed. And we need the world around us to be renewed. I lay out this kind of bleak picture. I like to do this at the beginning of my sermons. You guys have obviously noticed this, I'm sure. I love to get us off on a a great note. But uh, I lay out this bleak picture of our world right now because it parallels John's world when he wrote Revelation. All right, our passage in Revelation. John wrote this uh, roughly around nine, in the 90s AD, they think. It was after, obviously, Jesus' ascension. Uh, he went into heaven, and then there were the fireworks of Pentecost, and the church just conti- consistently grew, right? But it wasn't surrounded by peace, if you read the New Testament. Um, John would have witnessed probably, we think, or at least heard of the destruction of Jerusalem by Rome in 70 AD. He would have seen the empire actively persecute the church and kill many of his friends. He was exiled. That's when he wrote Revelation. He was in exile because of his faith. And when he wrote it, another wave of persecution had actually started all over again under the emperor Domitian. So John, when he's writing this book, when the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to write Revelation, the picture is bleak in the world around him. It does not look good. And this made the message that the Lord gave him that much more potent for the church, and it made it that much more necessary. And the same is true for us today as this, I'm going to kill this Nat eventually, I promise, um, but as the Australian pop star, okay, so you guys are into Australian pop, I know, um, the Australian pop scene is big, and um, I'm kidding, but anyhow, the Australian pop star Lenka, uh, she sang a song, and uh, one of the lines says this, heaven knows I need a little hope for a better day, heaven knows I need a little hope for a better day, And our passage in Revelation 21 brings that hope to us. It brings us back to the center of our faith, to Jesus. It's Jesus that is talking in this passage, Revelation 21. He's the one that declares, I am making all things new. And he says this from the throne of heaven. I'm making all things new. God has made his home among people. He will be with them, and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. First thing I notice when I read this passage is the fact that Jesus knows exactly what's going on. He understands our situation. He knows our pain, and he knows it personally. He has walked through it. He knows things are not okay here. He knows that this world that he created and that he loves is broken. and it reminds us that our God is not far off. He has chosen to enter into our world and dwell with us, as he says, to become one of us, to know our pain intimately and personally, and to deal with it. He's not an abstraction. He's a person. It's always important to remember. Jesus is a man that lived and breathed and bled to save us and he's the one speaking and he deals with all of this decay this death and destruction around us but most importantly he deals with it in us the pain that jesus talks about in this passage certainly has to do with external realities in our lives you know we get hurt by others we suffer because of injustice you know we lose our loved ones we understand what it is to live in this broken world as we've said But at the same time, on an everyday basis, most often we're dealing with our brokenness, our own. We deal with our pain. We deal with the gap between who we actually are and who we want to be, you know, or even more, who we should be. We know that we're not matching up the way that we wish we could. We know that our family and friends aren't necessarily matching up the way that we wish they would. We deal with our own harsh internal voices, right? You know, we deal with that thing that we just can't shake, that thought that just seems to kind of persecute us. We've got the unforgiveness, perhaps, for a friend that betrayed us or a family member or the judgmental streak in us, you know, or shame, or anxiety, or fear. These are more often than not the sources of our everyday struggle. And Jesus knows it. He knows where we hurt. He knows all of your scars, every single one. And he speaks into those places, and he says, I am making all things new. That pain will be no more. All of your wrongs will be righted. All your wounds will be healed. Field of Dreams, we'll keep going with Field of Dreams. Uh, Field of Dreams is actually very helpful (laughs) here as well. This is a spoiler, so if you haven't seen it, I'm gonna tell you the end of the movie, so sorry. Uh, But it's been out for, whatever, 30 years, so (laughs) you should have seen it by now. Um, The answer to Ray's question, it's a Shoeless Joe. What's in it for me? The answer is reconciliation and healing for Ray. Set free from his pain. That's the whole point the movie's building towards. At the end of the movie, his father appears on the field. He's one of the players that shows up. And after never getting to say goodbye to his dad, after never getting to say sorry for the angry words that they exchanged the last time he saw him before he left for college and never came home. Now, he gets a chance to be with his father and they get to have a catch. It's an incredible metaphor for us men out there. We get to have a catch together. And in the movie, it just shows kind of the pain, all of the pain and regret just melting away from the two of them. All of the stuff that they experienced when they were alive together and the anger they shared, all of that melted away. It's this beautiful picture of healing and reconciliation. And that's exactly what's promised to us in Jesus. In case we've forgotten, Jesus reminds us how this can be true. He takes us back to his cross in this Revelation 21 passage. He does it by repeating the words that he spoke on the cross. And that was also in John's other big book, the gospel that he wrote. Uh, Jesus proclaims here in Revelation, he says, it is done. It is finished. Those were the last three words of Jesus. It's not a question of if. He's already done it. It is completed. He has accomplished all of this on the cross. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I'm the one with all of the authority in the universe, and I've used all of that authority for you. Remember that we are his focus. If you're like me, you might think, you know, it doesn't always feel finished, right? It doesn't feel finished. I'm still in the midst of it right now. You know, I'm I'm grateful for this promise, it's awesome, but how does it help me here? Well, we are indeed in a time of waiting, Uh, We are waiting for the full consummation of everything that Jesus did. That's why we say in the Creed, we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life to come, the life everlasting to come. It's ahead of us. It is a hope that we wait for. At the same time, we get to experience that freedom here and now. We get to know a taste of it here. After all, Jesus' kingdom has come. That's what he says in Mark's gospel again and again and again that his coming ushered in the kingdom of God, that he has brought something fundamentally different to this world. He's brought the answer to all the problems. That's what he did. <clears throat> He's brought, actually, the, the opportunity and the possibility of healing for us, reconciliation in this life, that is all pointing us ahead to the ultimate I remember when I was in my mid to late 20s, long ago now, uh, I suffered from, I've shared this before, I think, but I suffered from a a few years of severe anxiety. And uh, I would be in the throes of anxiety attacks, feeling like it was never going to end. And that's one of the worst parts about anxiety attacks. Uh, that makes them brutal because, and they get self-perpetuating because you get anxious about feeling anxious. You know, it's a horrible thing if you've ever had to walk through that. But uh, there were all these voices from the outside that actually helped me through those heightened moments of anxiety. That brought relief. That reintroduced hope. That put the pain and the struggle into perspective. Kate was one of those voices, she stood with me through all of that. Um, There were many voices of friends and counselors, and they told me that this is gonna pass. This is not the end. I know it feels like you're never gonna get out of this, but I promise you, it will pass. And I needed that. I needed that message from outside, right? I needed to hear uh, my hope again. I needed a message to break into my mental darkness, to bring light again. It was a message that I was actually safe and things were going to be okay, even if I didn't feel that way right now. I had people around me that loved me and held on to me. And this is Jesus' message to us today. This is why the Bible ends here. It ends with this book in Revelation telling us about our hope and our future because it brings new life into our current situation. It actually reminds us of where this is all going. It actually takes our eyes off of uh, all of the pain and all of the brokenness that we have here. At least it puts it into perspective. We hear that Jesus is making all things new. We hear him say that there will be no more tears, there won't be any more decay, there will be no more pain, no more inadequacies. No more wishing that we were someone else. That we're going to be raised up with him. Raised from the dead. We're going to be made whole. And not just us, but the whole world around us. That's how it opens. John says, I saw new heavens and a new earth. That God is actually recreating his world. He's renewing it. He's redeeming it. There's this promise of peace, a promise of freedom. He says we'll get to drink from the spring of the water of life without payment. That's what's in it for us. That's the good news for you and me. This is what our God, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is doing and has done. And we get to experience it here and now in the fact that we carry this message out. Just like my family and friends got to see their encouragement bring me hope in the midst of my pain, we get to be those messengers. We get to be those ambassadors to the world around us. We get to actually go and say, this isn't the end. And there's good news that Jesus is actually remaking everything, that he's actually won for us a better day, that we'll get to share in that resurrection with him, We get to see hope brought back into a world without hope. I'm going to conclude with our favorite Aussie pop star now, because we all know Lenka, and you're all going to listen to her after this, I'm sure. But uh, Lenka sings in that song, Keep giving me hope for a better day. Keep giving me love to find a way. Through this messy life I've made for myself, Heaven knows I need a little hope for a better day, a little love to find a way. Through this heaviness I feel, I just need someone to say everything's okay. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. This is how the Bible ends. This is how the creed ends. It ends with our ultimate hope, the promise that our God will indeed make everything right. The promise that it is done. That's the reality we live in. That's what we carry with us from here today. You have something to say to a world that's hurting. You really do. And it's not just empty platitudes. It's actually grounded and founded in what Jesus Christ has done for us historically. It's true. It will bring hope. These are the words that actually change people's lives. I encourage you to share them. I encourage you with them today that it is done, that we are safe in Jesus Christ, that everything is going to be okay. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for these awesome words, this picture of you sitting on the throne, reminding us of all that you've done, reminding us that you have accomplished everything for us. Lord, I ask that you would plant those words, plant that hope deeply in us. I pray that you would address all those scars that we have. And God, I pray that that would uh, just bring new life in us, and that would burst forth, and we would share it with others. I thank you for your goodness, Lord. We thank you always for your grace. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.